0: Hello, I'm Adrian Monk at the World Economic Forum. Every week, I present a short podcast called On Our Radar, looking at some of the things that are getting our attention here at the World Economic Forum. This week, it's Davos. Six months before the Wall Street crash of 1929, two German philosophers met to debate in a small Swiss town that was trying to make its name as a centre for intellectual tourism. Davos. The previous year, Albert Einstein had lectured there and played the violin to entertain visitors. But the philosophical protagonists of March 1929 were Ernst Kasserer and Martin Heidegger. Underpinning the abstractions of their highfalutin arguments was a fundamental question. Was technology elevating humanity or was it destroying it? Kasserer was a philosophical idealist. He believed in universal truths and values, and he was fascinated by the challenges of modernity. What did Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity mean for the theory of knowledge? What were the philosophical implications of quantum mechanics? But in grappling with these problems, he also confronted the fact that physicists and mathematicians, not philosophers, were better placed to answer them or move beyond them. Heidegger was a relativist. He also happened to think that modern life was rubbish. He saw technology and rationality as soulless and dehumanising. Heidegger's philosophy placed human beings in the middle of blood, soil and action. But his anti-intellectualism and his nationalist mythology also made philosophy kind of redundant. A world peopled by Heidegger's heroes would have little time for thinking and put little value on it. Debating in Davos under the very technical constraints of their discussion, Heidegger was the winner and Cassirer the loser. Heidegger's victory symbolised a crisis for coffeehouse intellectuals across the continent. Their philosophy had lost. Universal truth, universal values had fallen victim to a sort of nihilistic relativism. In 1933, Heidegger who was already an admirer of Adolf Hitler, became an enthusiastic member of the Nazi party. That same year, Kassera, German, but from a family of Polish Jews, fled his professorship in Hamburg to spend the rest of his life abroad. Nationalistic nihilism had won out over cosmopolitan idealism. Today, I work for an organisation that brings people together in Davos, the World Economic Forum. There are professors there, but there are also business leaders, politicians and many more. The language of debate is less academic, but the questions remain. Is technology our friend or foe? Are we rootless cosmopolitans or are we planted in nationalism? Are we people of action or people of words? Today's intellectual crisis of confidence is not over the future of philosophy, but the future of globalisation. And the country's future that has Western economies wondering is not Germany's, but America's. Davos, of course, is not without its critics. One of the most famous of them coined the term Davos Man to point a finger at the people who come to the small mountain town to join those discussions. That critic was called Samuel Huntington. He was a political scientist, an American, and his last book was about national identity and America's future. It was called Who Are We? Huntington had very strong ideas about who Americans were. He also saw three different futures for America. Back in 2004, they seemed strangely prescient. Those futures, he said, were cosmopolitan, imperial and national. In a cosmopolitan future, the world remakes America and globalization and multiculturalism triumph over national identity. In the second, America remakes the world, unchallenged by any rival superpower The American empire would reshape the world according to its values, taking to other shores democratic norms and aspirations. And in the last, America remains America. It resists the blandishments and falseness of cosmopolitanism, and it reigns in its imperial impulse. And Huntington made no secret of his own preferences. American nationalism, as he said, devoted to the preservation and enhancement of those qualities that have defined America since its founding. The culture of the global elite, Davos man, was disconnected from the call of American home and hearth and national soil. Of course, Huntington's myth was not for all Americans. It was only for white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant ones. This is him again. There is no Americano dream. There's only the American dream created by an Anglo-Protestant society. Mexican-Americans will share in that dream and in that society only if they dream in English. The Huntingtons and the Heideggers are once more in the ascendant. A year before he died in 1944, Ernst Cassirer wrote an explanation of what he thought had happened in Germany. It was a book called The Myth of the State. Cassirer thought that rationality, logic, the things he'd hung on to as a young philosopher, had been abandoned by a primitive, nastier form of human storytelling. This is what he said. In politics, we're always living on volcanic soil. We must be prepared for abrupt convulsions and eruptions. In all critical moments in man's social life, the rational forces that resist the rise of the old mythical conceptions are no longer sure of themselves. In these moments, the time for myth has come again. For myth has not been really vanquished and subjugated. It is always there lurking in the dark and awaiting its hour and opportunity. Kazurier did not survive the war. Heidegger did. He carried on serving the Nazis. After the war, he returned to his university post. He died in 1976. Both philosophers faced challenges and questions in their lives. Both answered them in different ways, convincingly and unconvincingly. Now, The questions remain, and it's up to us to find our answers as we look forward to discussion in Davos. I'm Adrian Monk. This has been On Our Radar. Thanks for listening.